Welcome to day 236 of uh, Shaped by the Word. We're in our third season together, the story of the prophets. Uh, we find ourselves in a, in a piece of literature that uh, in the Hebrew scriptures would not have been included among the prophets and included among the writings. And that's exactly what it is. It is uh, five works of poetry that are woven together you know, by the theme of the final days of Jerusalem before the people go into uh, to exile. And so you can almost see, you know, the exiles looking back over their shoulder and seeing the desolation of this once, you know, wonderful city, remembering the times that they had marched into the city singing festive songs to celebrate, uh, you know, all the festivals of, of, you know, of their great God and of his deliverance and how they had taken those things for granted, wandered far from him or simply going through the motions. And now uh, they're realizing, you know, the depth of their, their sin. And uh, so we come to the second of five poems. Each one of the chapters is a full poem. They're acrostic poems, uh, all of the lines, and each stanza begin with a you know single letter you know of the Hebrew alphabet as it takes us all the way you know through the, through the alphabet or the twenty two letters of the alphabet. So we have a uh, twenty two uh, twenty two lines or twenty two verses. Once again, as we turn to chapter two, and even though this is. Uh, a form that we're not used to. We're not used to expressing, uh, you know, in a very honest, very raw way, our depression or our grief or our anguish. It is nevertheless a part of the biblical literature given to us that uh, causes us to be honest and reflecting on a on the depth of the grief that we experience and the brokenness in this world. But it also uh, causes us to realize that. Uh, the worst desolation we experience is not so much part of living in a broken world, but it's being broken people who often uh, deny our God. So before we uh, reread, uh, we want to see ourselves here. We want to see God here, and we want you know God to work in our hearts and lives to move us and stir our affections you know toward Him. So before we read, Matt, you mind lifting us up for the yeah, prayer? Let's pray, Father. We. Um we do long to have our affections stirred for you and our hearts stirred for you, knowing that um, our hearts do go after so many other things. Uh, as Calvin reminds us, we're idol factories. And, and so, Father, would you continue to do the work you can only you can do, um, plucking and removing idols and, and turning us back to you? We thank you for um, the variety of um, kinds of scripture we, we read in your word that um, that even in these texts, Father, we're reminded that this is good for us. It's good to to lament, good to see our own sin in light of your grace and um, to return and repent to you. So, Father, would you be with us in this time? Uh, give us a, a vision of who you are. Um, help us to see our own sin and, uh, Father, to confess it and, and come to you quickly. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Limitations 2. How the Lord has covered daughter Zion with the cloud of his anger. He has hurled down the splendor of Israel from heaven to earth. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. Without pity, the Lord has swallowed up all the dwelling places of Jacob. In his wrath, he has torn down the strongholds of daughter Judah. He has brought her kingdom and its princes down to the ground in dishonor. In fierce anger, he has cut off every horn of Israel. He has withdrawn his right hand at the approach of the enemy. He has burned in Jacob like a flaming fire that consumes everything around it. Like an enemy, he has strung his bow. His right hand is ready. Like a foe, he has slain all who are pleasing to the eye. He has poured out his wrath like fire on the tent of daughter Zion. The Lord 
uh, is like an enemy. He swallowed up Israel. He swallowed up all her palaces and destroyed her strongholds. He has multiplied mourning and lamentation for daughter Judah. He's laid waste his dwelling like a garden. He has destroyed his place of meeting. The Lord has made Zion forget her appointed festivals and her Sabbaths. In his fierce anger, he has spurned both king and priest. The Lord has rejected his altar and abandoned his sanctuary, has given the walls of her palaces into the hands of the enemy. They have raised a shout in the house of the Lord as on the day of appointed festival. The Lord determined to tear down the wall around daughter, uh, daughter Zion, stretch out a measuring line, and did not withhold his hand from destroying. He made ramparts and walls lament. Together they wasted away. Her gates are shrunk into the, sunk into the ground. Their bar he has broken and destroyed. Her kings and her princes are exiled among the nations. The law is no more, and her prophets no longer find visions from the Lord. The elders of daughter Zion sit on the ground in silence. They've sprinkled dust on their heads and put sackcloth. The young women of Jerusalem have bowed their heads to the ground. My eyes fell from weeping. I am in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed, because children and infants faint in the streets of the city. I say to their mothers, where is bread and wine as they faint like the wounded in the streets of the city as their life ebbs away in their mother's arms? What can I say for you? Uh, with what can I compare you, daughter Jerusalem? To what can I liken you that I may comfort you, virgin daughter Zion? Your wound is as deep as the sea who can heal you. The visions of your prophets were false and worthless. You did not, they did not expose your sin to ward off your captivity. The prophecies they gave you were false and misleading. All who pass your way clap their hands at you. They scoff and shake their heads at daughter Jerusalem. In this city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth, all your enemies open their mouths wide against you. They scoff and gnash their teeth and say, We've swallowed up. This is the day we've waited for. We have lived to see it. The Lord has done what he planned. He has fulfilled his word, which he decreed long ago. He has overthrown you without pity. He has let the enemy glit over you. He has exalted the horn of your foes. The hearts of the people cry out to the Lord. The walls of daughter's eye and let your tears flow like a river day and night. Give yourself no relief, your eyes no rest. Arise, cry out in the night. As watches of the night begin, pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint from hunger at every street corner. Look, Lord, and consider, whom have you ever treated like this? Should women eat their offspring, the children they have cared for? Should priest and prophet be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? Young and old lie together in the dust of the streets. My young men and my young women have fallen by the sword. You've slain them in the day of your anger. You've slaughtered them without pity. As you summon to a feast day, as you summon against me terrors on every side, in the day of the Lord's anger, no one escaped or survived. Those I cared for and reared, my enemy has destroyed." And, of course, you know, we referred to yesterday at the very middle of these five poems. You have, you know, these two verses that God will not always, you know, uh, not always pour out his anger, but restore and comfort his people. And uh, we're reminded, you know, in Isaiah that that entire section, you know, from 40 uh, on begins with this, these words, comfort, comfort to my people. But here in Lamentations, you see the immediate grief and the immediate aftermath of God's you know, judgment on the city. And it is, it is very stark. And, and the poet you know, captures uh, poignantly you know, the depth and the horror of these scenes and the, uh, you know, the depth of the grief. And it's very vivid you know, from, from beginning to end. 
And so there is in this particular chapter, you know, not not a whole lot of not a whole lot of hope, just the expression of grief and despair at what has come about in Jerusalem, because she has heard the Lord's righteousness yet rebelled against him, nevertheless. The um the end of verse thirteen just really stood out to me when obviously in twelve he has that horrible picture of the kids crying out, you know, for bread and for wine, something to drink, and then but he just describes, you know, Zion, he describes Israel by your wound is as deep as the sea, you know, who can heal you, which I feel is just kind of that tension we've been feeling all throughout the prophets of like, my goodness, like something is so wrong with the people, you know, how can they be healed and brought back and restored? And, and we don't really begin to find those answers fully until we encounter Christ who has this great physician, right? Who has come to heal and to restore and but we are just met with that human condition of there's something deeply wrong and what can heal us. And, yeah. and, and the and answer is Christ. You have that very ironic, you know, word from Isaiah, <laughs> uh, by his wounds, we are healed. Mm-hmm. And it is by his wounds that, you know, the deep wound in us and in the deep wound is not, you know, the, uh, the individual, you know, sins, you know, that we commit there. They're all symptoms of something that is much deeper. It's, it's something that we just call in the singular, Sin, you know, dwelling in us, the fact that uh, we have pushed God out of our lives and in pushing God out of our lives, we have uh, set in motion our own destruction and our own desolation. And you get very vivid, those pictures of destruction and, and, and desolation. You know, this, this is ugly. Sin is indeed, you know, the, this ugly. No matter how used to it we become or, you know, how... Uh, uh, how much is in the atmosphere that we breathe that does mm-hmm. you know, lead to this kind of desolation? I feel like 14 kind of ties into what you said too, Paul. Um, the captivity was a result of um, listening to the visions of the prophets that were false and worthless and that um, did not expose their sin. And these very prophets that gave them false and misleading you know, prophecy, they um, – preferred to listen to priests that would speak words that would tickle their ears. So there was never an, uh, a, you know, a listening to the words of the prophet, but therefore their sins weren't exposed. Yeah. No, and, and that's, you know, really to the heart of it, you know, obviously you know, scripture comes to us in many ways. It, it comforts us and encourages us. Mm-hmm. It uh, inspires us, you know, it, uh, and it brings us, you know, to the edge of our seats and on wonder of who God is and, you know, brings us into worship but uh, we never need to forget that the one thing that you know, another thing that scripture will always do is expose us mm-hmm. and it exposes our sin and it exposes our wound. Uh, you know, not you know, just simply for the uh, you know, the sake of pointing out a wound or pointing out sin, but so that we might you know come to the Lord and that we might be restored, mm-hmm. you know, by the Lord uh, and, and, and healed, you know, by Him. Mm-hmm. When you know, we see that. The worship of God's people has really departed long ago, even in verses 6 and 7, when he talks about, He's way laced his dwelling like a garden. He has destroyed his place of meeting. The Lord has made Zion forget her appointed festivals and her Sabbaths, and his fierce anger he spurned both king and priest. The Lord has rejected his altar and abandoned his sanctuary. He's given the walls of her palaces into the hands of the enemy. They've shouted, they have raised a shout in the house of the Lord as on the day of an appointed festival. Yeah, yeah God's people have gone silent, and what you know, the enemies are crying. In a way that seems, you know, yeah, there worship. there was a time when it was our <laughs> children lifting their voices, yeah, and it was right. voices of praise mm-hmm. and joy and exultation in the Lord. And over time, we were simply, you know, going through the motions, and 
You know, there was no real joy. There's real no exaltation in the Lord because our hearts have been you know, given to the enemy. Is now the shouts we hear in the the precincts that once you know and inhabited this joyful praise are the shouts of the joy of our enemy in conquering us and seeing our ruin. And so it is a huge turn you know, that's taken place here. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, we we love you know the fact that uh, you know as Jesus came to the city once again, there were the shouts of joy and praise. Mm-hmm. You know. As the king came into the city, uh, we have a little more of uh, limitations left next week, and uh, we'll continue through it. You know, as the Lord meets us, you know, in in this uh, in, this, in these sad songs of grief, and uh, may we, you know, understand in, in bit, you know, through reading this, you know, what our Lord invites us to as people of His kingdom. When He says, "Blessed are those who are poor in spirit," and those. Those who mourn, uh, you know, may we see the grievousness of our own sin before it becomes our destruction, and may we turn to him to be comforted as he promises. Father, we thank you for Scripture, and we thank you for its richness. We thank you for the depth and the uh, magnitude of poetry like this. It's vivid images, but they are horrible images. Mm. And may we see them, and may we know that uh, this is the end of all who trust in themselves and turn to idols rather than, you know, worshiping with joy the living God. May you restore to us, you know, as David prayed uh, for himself, the joy of our salvation, that we come into your presence with singing, with shouts, and with, with dancing, for you have been good to us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.